Welcome to episode 170 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the greatest day in motorsports for edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. I'm your under the weather host, Philip Matthew, and I'm here with the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, a computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar, and somebody who also raced at North Wilkesboro this past weekend, albeit on iRacing, because he's really good at that. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? I am doing great, Phil. Of course, um, you know, you mentioned the Indy 500 on iRacing, of course, not a thing anymore, but it's been one year now officially, so of course, uh, a lot of uh, fun memories from that, but yeah, of course, a lot of uh, fun racing this past weekend, North Wilkesboro, uh, Indy 500 qualifying, big speed there, we'll get into it, uh, of course, and I ran North Wilkesboro virtually, so we'll get into that later too, uh, but yeah, I mean, good good to be back here for the, uh, this week, of course, I'm not under the weather like you, but it is raining outside here in central Florida, so uh, yeah, very... Uh, either feeling under the weather for you or under the weather outside. Uh, but hey, good to be inside right now. So I agree on that one. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I'm going to do clearing the throat like Baba Booey. Um, we'll get into the all-star race at North Wilkesboro. First race at Wilkesboro since 1996, uh, which saw Kyle Larson uh, take the lead, I think, at lap 55 and never look back. Um, he was one of a few people who took tires on a lap 18 caution with O Richard. And, um, he ended up, uh, going and utilizing that coming from tailback as Rusty Wallace would say. And he did say last night on the tele on the radio, um, to win the race. So we'll talk about yet another win for Kyle Larson around his cousins and brothers and sisters and other kinfolk. Uh, talk about other key players, including one guy who definitely was uh, getting some uh, definite hatred, uh, who finished second in that race and is priming him, been primed after the last few weeks for a win. And it might be a good place for him to get a win uh, this coming weekend at Charlotte. Uh, we'll get into the open, which was had a bit of argy bargy, as um, Calvin Fish would say. But uh, there was. Uh, three drivers that got in through that race and to be fair not really shocking who got through um, based on the field the indianapolis 500 saw alex below qualify on pole and uh set a new what do you call pole sitting four lap record and i think the fastest first lap or for fastest lap for a pole sitter ever at the Indianapolis 500 and over 235 miles an hour um, front row with him and Pato award and, um, and uh, what do you call Renus VK uh, or Renus VK and, and uh, Pato award. So that was an interesting front row, uh, plenty of storylines throughout the field. The drama at the front was only beat by the drama at the back, which involved Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, and 30 years since Bobby Ray Hall failed to qualify for the Indianapolis 500 as the defending IndyCar champion, his son Graham Ray Hall gets knocked out with no chance to respond in the uh, in the knockout session, the last row shootout, and uh, is going home. So yet another famous name, Marco Andretti almost had that happen to him. Uh, there, he ended up sending Ryan Hunter Ray home, but I think it worked out well for Ryan Hunter Ray long term. We'll see how it does for Green. Uh, but we'll get into all the qualifying. There were incidents. There was one major incident today in the final regular practice before Carb Day on Friday. Uh, we'll get into all that and uh, 
we'll go in and later on make our picks and preview the race in more uh, detail. Imola, Parmigiano Reggiano Grand Prix was canceled because uh, Imola was underwater. Unfortunately, they've had horrendous um, uh, flooding and heavy rains and the amount of manpower they needed to get, you know, all the streets open again and all the things for the citizens of that region. There was no way they were going to hold a Formula One race there. And uh, basically, they probably aren't going to re, re, uh, uh, be able to do the race this year. So I guess for people who love Max Verstappen, that's one less win that Dick will have this year. Um, the roundup this week will be short and sweet. F1 Academy was at Barcelona this past weekend. Uh, Supercars was there at Simmons Plains. The NHRA was at Route 66 Raceway, all four major pro categories. And then we'll make uh, we'll do preview of F2 and F3. Um, I can remove that part at F3 at, at Monaco. So before we make our previews for the Monaco Grand Prix, uh, and make our picks, which we all know what those picks are going to be. Um, then the uh, triple header at Charlotte this weekend, trucks on Friday, Xfinity on Saturday, and the Coca-Cola 600 on Sunday evening. Um, and then the last thing we'll go over, of course, is the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, the 107th running of this great race and um, very intriguing uh, field and opportunities for so many to possibly get their face on the Borg Warner Trophy come Sunday after or come this weekend. Um, Josh will talk about his exploits at Wilkesboro and elsewhere uh, in on iRacing and in other gaming in the sim segment. And then we'll call it a day for this week. And then next week, we'll have all the fun of recapping it on Memorial Day um, while we go and um, thank those who served us and paid the ultimate price uh, for our freedoms to be here at, at this time in this great country. Um, for somebody who God loves freedom and is happy he's gotten an opportunity in this great country, uh, his name is Kyle Larson. Uh, for a guy who went hard R, his, uh, his life has gotten a lot better since he did it. Um, he went out there yesterday at North Wilkesboro, and if it weren't for a speeding penalty on the lap 18 pit stop uh, that sent him tailback, uh, he would have been he would have done the same thing Jeff Bodine did back in 1994 at North Wilkesboro, which was the last instance of this, the last time a, a winner uh, had lapped the entire field. Kyle Larson's car was at a different was on a different planet. Um, I was. I figured I had traction control, but they're never going to find it. Um, or there was something else going on because he had more traction than the rest of the field combined. Uh, and it was a woodshed whipping. No credit to the guy. He took over at lap 56 and never looked back. The two cars, two other cars that came in with him during that lap 18 pit stop, uh, Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick, the 2311 guys, finished second and third. Chase Briscoe had the fastest car late in the race, finished fourth, uh, was really hoping for a caution there, just so then real, you know, nonsense could start. But um, unfortunately, when Andrew Carr leads, they don't throw the caution. So, uh, I mean, there really wasn't a whole heck of a lot to take away from this deal other than, um, I mean, we'll get into Keebler Gibbs, uh, got into it with Michael McDowell. Uh, Michael McDowell, as per usual, failed at trying to get back at him. But then that's become a common theme with Keebler, where people try to retaliate against that that midget and they all fail. He advanced to the all-star race along with Josh Berry in the 48, 
which then gave um, Bullcut Moron an in to uh, make the All-Star race. So um, before he was going to be able to go and have his um, circle jerk at, uh, later in the night at North Wilkesboro, he got to go and race or act like he was racing in the All-Star race and uh, finish next to last, which makes a lot of sense because he's been god-awful. Um, yeah, Suarez started on pole. Great pit stop by his track house team earlier in the weekend to get him the pole. He won his heat, so he held the uh, pole position, led the first 55 laps, but really, Josh, it was a Larson benefit. He's now a three-time winner of the all-star race and he's won it at three different racetracks which is pretty unique for a man they call young money yeah no i mean larson thoroughly dominated you know after uh initially starting in the back uh was nowhere to be found during the all-star open the previous night of course different set of tires uh in that race and they were running in rain tires uh, so, you know, rain, rain tires, uh, returning to North Wilkesboro, very unique combination there, uh, in the open, but yeah, he, um, I guess the opportunity for, uh, taking tires, lap 18 caution changed the race, uh, and he was able to take new tires and just go drive through the field and eventually take home the win, uh, the win in, uh, the all-star race. So, um, obviously they figured something out. Uh, of course, his driving line was uh, significantly different, just cutting the bottom, going onto the uh, concrete patch of the track. Uh, it's obviously been repaved uh, since they took over, or, you know, since they re- redid everything at uh, North Wilkesboro. So definitely uh, that was the help there um, uh, compared to, you know, what everybody else was doing. Um, and obviously, you know, we didn't even mention it yet, but, you know, obviously everybody was trying to get onto the grip strip the uh sealer patch in turn three and four and then kyle larson found another grip strip the concrete off uh the apron there so obviously he was able to hook the bottom really well and uh that's kind of what made the difference there uh i mean obviously uh led a bunch of laps after that and just spanked the field so um i'm obviously continuing to dominate and he's been super fast this year so um i Again, like I said, could be on a tear right now in terms of wins if uh, some things went their way uh, the last you know couple of races um, and everything. But uh, Reddick and Wallace obviously performed well as well. So uh, you know they both took tires uh, in that pit stop, but they just didn't have the speed, and maybe they were a little bit too conservative anyways um, on saving tires uh, compared to Larson. And uh, obviously, you know with uh, the tire deal there maybe the tires were too hard and that's why larson was able to drive away from everybody because you know everybody's talking about uh the tires uh, wearing out too much and um talking about the lack of grip on the track and they can only get up to like about 65 to 70 percent of uh full throttle so um obviously everybody was kind of babying it throughout the throughout the race but you know obviously if you have hard tires and you know how to how much grip you're able to uh have and everything obviously you know you can get away with uh driving that aggressive or driving that hard having that type of uh speed in in the car and then also larson burning it out afterwards and not blowing a tire somehow so obviously looks like maybe good you're brought in too hard of a tire uh there but i mean my like I told you earlier before the race, or well before um, this uh, show before we started recording, you know I said that you know the race maybe it was boring, but I wasn't really that bored watching it. 
Um, I was looking for, you know, just trying to see different techniques of seeing uh, who was trying to save, um, you know, who was, uh, you know, trying to go through the field, you know, the comers and goers, uh, as they say. Uh, so for me personally, um, I was just looking for, you know, those different strategies uh, employed by different teams on tires and um, just how the drivers were uh, executing that strategy and everything. And I mean, I like that, you know, people were, at least, you know, Larson, he was able to pass through the field and everything because at least there was some kind of passing, right? But, you know, of course, the other concern is, um, you know, before he got to the lead, uh, obviously, um, Daniel Suarez had been leading and was unchallenged uh, a couple times that Joey Logano got up to him in the rear bumper and uh, Denny Hamlin got up to him, but they weren't able to get around him uh, and really make any racing before Kyle Larson showed up to the party. So um, there's still concern there. And obviously the next gen car, you know, doesn't really race uh, that well on short tracks. So still got a lot of work. And I think um, it's just has to do with the, the tires and the amount of power in the engine. So, uh, we'll see if they ever make any changes to this car on short ovals. Um, obviously, we know it races great on intermediates, okay-ish super speedways, um, and I guess somewhat okay on road courses, although I think Coda was entertaining this year. But, um, yeah, this uh, next-gen car, you know, just has never performed well on short tracks. Um, but I did think in a way that this... Uh, you know, individual race, the all-star race, uh, definitely uh, very interesting uh, to watch, even though, objectively speaking, it wasn't all that exciting uh, there. But um, great weekend, though, for everybody. Obviously, a successful weekend getting the um, track back after 27 years. Didn't think that, you know, this day would ever come. I think everybody knows that. And, of course, um, just being able to watch watch it on TV like that is uh, super cool. And I think... You know, it was definitely a cool experience to be at if you were able to go there uh, to see the return of uh, that track. But, yeah, definitely a um, really interesting race uh, there uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, they're able to come back to North Wilkesboro next year. And, you know, hopefully uh, NASCAR figures out something with this car and its ability to be able to race against each other on, uh, you know, on short tracks. Yeah, the ability to be able to follow, be able to pass, uh, having the tire have fall off. I mean, there are so many things that have been going on with this Gen 7 car from the beginning. Those same problems exist. They still haven't fixed them. They used to use this race as a kind of like a guinea pig, you know, deal. They'd go and R&D stuff in the All-Star race. Um, this would have been a great time to go and try a softer tire. This would have been a great time to take the take the splitter off or take the rear diffuser off and, and see what would happen there. Um, they ran the rain tires and they ran faster on rain tires than they did on slick tires, which is, I mean, to be honest, it's because there's more tread and there's probably with the tread blocks in theory, they probably provided more grip, especially on a surface that's 40 plus years old. Um, minus the grip strips that were, were put on there, uh, by SMI, uh, some of the work they did, uh, to the pit road, which, um, 
provided new concrete surfaces. Um, Larson is essentially the only person that was able to roll the bottom the way he did. He was diamonding the corner. He was rolling the corner. He didn't didn't really matter what he did. He was on a different stratosphere. Um, Briscoe did have a fast car, though, and Bubba and and uh, Redick made their way up through the field. So to be fair, I mean, that's really where the action was. There was a lot of people beating and banging behind that. But um, unfortunately, uh, Fox didn't bother to really show any of that. Um, we'll just go through the running order. 24 starters in this all-star uh, race. Larson, Darrell Walsh Jr., Tyler Reddick, Chase Briscoe, William Clyde Elliott II, the top five, Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, the pole sitter for the race, that Jones boy, Keebler Gibbs, and pizza face Joey Logano round out the top 10. Uh, Ross Chastain in 11th, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, Josh Berry in the top 15. All the Gibbs cars, was the three Gibbs cars were all together there, 12th through from between 9th and 14th, but the three of them, the veterans, were all clustered together. Chris Pusher started on outside pole, finished 16th. Austin Dillon started 4th, 17th. Kevin Harvick had no speed the whole weekend in his uh, Bush Light Ford, throwing back to his first paint scheme of his cup career, second paint scheme of his cup career, if we're really being honest. Um, The one that he won his first career race with, and the number 29. Brad Keselowski finished 19th, William Byron 20th, Austin Sindrick, Kyle Busch, Noah Gagson, and O. Richard uh, round out the field. Um, Stenhouse got spun off the bumper um, by, uh, or got into it with Eric Jones. Otherwise, there was only the competition caution midway through the race. Otherwise, there was no cautions. Uh, I mean, I guess the way to look at it is it's nice to see North Wilkesboro back the way that they presented it. It seemed like it was well, there was a great turnout. It seemed like a lot of these races were well received. The cup racing there was basically got awful. Um, but the other racing that was there, which we'll get into at least with the trucks, the late models, some of the other stuff was good. So it sounds like, from what Marcus Smith is saying, what Joomba, it sounds like the tea leaves are are reading that Wilkesboro might end up being back on the schedule. Now, if you're going to have them on the schedule and you're going to put them, uh, uh, put that on, you know, for the regular season, make sure it's in the summer and make sure that this car is fixed or else you're not going to have anybody showing up after that first year uh, because of the novelty aspect of it. Denny Hamlin brought up, brought it up on his podcast. Uh, got a little 10 minute, 10 minute clip about the race and racetrack and whatever, and talking about that deal and having to repave it, maybe incorporating a progressive bank so that you could have a second groove. Probably it would be similar to what New Hampshire has been for many years where you kind of run that second groove. But if you want, can roll the corner the right way, you can get low. I think you could do that without getting rid of the character that is the speedway where you're going, you know, downhill or whatever. I think you're going downhill in a in a three and uphill and or no downhill in a one and uphill in a three. Um and some of the other characteristics that exist with the racetrack. Um but we'll see what happens. Uh, basically all the issues that exists with the car were exposed again um, nascar with the lame brains that run it don't seem to get a clue and um aren't fixing it because they're like well it's going to cost money and the owners don't want to pay money well you guys made a crappy car 
and you're the ones who sourced all the parts. So fix it. You're a billion dollar organization. You ought to fix it because there's more road courses and short tracks out there, I think, than or in and then opportunities to go to other road courses and short tracks than there are cookie cutter tracks, where essentially this is what this car was made for, seemingly, along with it being less safe. Uh, okay, let's uh, move on. Um, talked about all that for the all-star race. In the uh, Tyson 250 for the trucks, Kyle Larson won. Uh, he was substituting for um, Alex Bowman because Bowman wasn't, of course, able to race because of his injuries, suffered uh, at um, at a sprint car race, uh, uh, wing sprint car race. So uh, Kyle Larson gets the victory in the Spire number seven, led the most laps, won the second stage, uh, but it was... There was really, it was him and Corey Heim that were the two dominant uh, drivers. Corey Heim started on pole. Uh, we'll go through the field. Larson, the winner from Ty Majeski, Matt DiBurrito, Josevar, Darrell Walls Jr., Corey Heim, Matt Crafton, Chase Purdy, Ross Chastain, and Grant Enfinger, your top 10. Uh, William Byron was in the 51 for Kyle Busch, uh, finished 11th. Christopher Bell was driving a second truck for uh, Hattori and finished 16th. Well, the regular driver finished uh, next uh, 26th, the next to last truck on the lead lap. So, or two laps down, he was the first truck two laps down, my fault. 25 trucks were on the lead lap at the end of the race. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I can't, I would go and say I have something to say about this race, but I was bowling the whole entire day during the state tournament. Uh, I don't know if you saw anything of it, but essentially from what it reads and what it looks like, it was a benefit between Larson and, and what do you call, Corey Heim, and then you had Osavar in there. You had Bubble Wallace had a few laps as well, but really it was another Larson benefit. Yeah, I mean, it was another Larson benefit, but I think maybe he had to work a little bit harder for this one um, than he did the other one. Um, of course, yeah, Corey Heim led a bunch of laps. Um, Larson uh, didn't, I, I don't think he really had a uh, leading car early in the race, but you know, once, um, you know, he was able to get to the lead, he stayed there for you know, real long time, and then uh, took you know towards the end, uh, you know, Bubba Wallace uh, was able to get the lead off of pit stops um, and be able to um, stay out and on old tires, which I thought was interesting because um, you know, of course, old surface, uh, you know, it's really really hard, and you're already on worn tires, and it's really hard to be able to um, you know keep your car up there. But you know, he was able to lead you know, handful of laps there at the end. Um, and, you know, he's able to go and um, at least for a few laps, hold off Kyle Larson there. And I guess maybe the hope is that, you know, Larson has to, or whoever has to go through the field and uh, ends up burning their tires, uh, trying to get up to the lead. And then they're on more or less the same tire level as you. And then uh, you're able to, you know, hold him off and win the race. But, you know, obviously, you know, Larson uh, had too good of tires and he was able to get around him relatively quickly. Uh, and then, of course, um, had some more cautions at the end, but, um, you know, not nothing, you know, too too big or anything and able able to get, get to the end uh, relatively quickly. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, the race itself, I mean, there's a lot of cautions and stuff. And that was the difference between this race and the all-star races. This one had uh, a lot more action in it. Um, I think, you know, you're able to get real aggressive. And you saw guys making mistakes and um, making uh, cautions out of those mistakes. So, yeah, definitely a little bit more attrition rate in this one. Uh, but, you know, I think the truck race probably was, you know, a little bit, a little bit more entertaining. And it probably, you know, speaks to the differences in this car versus the all um, the cup car and everything. So yeah, um, definitely a, a good, a better race. Uh, you know, even if, uh, the same guy won on both days. Yeah. And that's something where, you know, when you have the experience that Larson has, uh, you're with a cup team running a limited schedule. Uh, it, it kind of was a confluence of circumstances where that was going to happen. I give credit to Corey Heim though, as a young driver, basically Toyota's number one development driver at the moment uh, that's in the truck series that he's been able to stay up front and run competitively because Tricon Garage basically has not been a real factor as a team over the years and um, David Gillen Racing, Gillen Gray Racing, whatever you want to call it. So now that they're up there every week, it, it proves that he's got the skills and they put in a lot of effort and TRD is really serious about what they want out of this situation. Uh, Corey Heim took the points lead with uh, his second place finish at uh, at North Wilkesboro going into Charlotte this coming weekend. Ty Majeski is uh, second in points. Zane Smith, third. Brandon Finger, Christian Eckes round out your top five. Uh, Carson Osavar is still outside of the top 10, but uh, he's only two points behind D Burrito in 10th and six points behind Stuart Friesen in ninth. So as it stands, it would be we're getting to a point where all the winners so far this year would be in the top 10. Uh, five winners still, uh, Majeski, then Rhodes, Crafton, Gray, Friesen would be the 10 D burrito behind by four points. So very interesting. You have a cluster there of basically, I think from, from Friesen to Nick Sanchez, which is 16 points. Uh, that is, those are all contending type people that are looking to get into this playoff. Purdy has been inconsistent. Jake Garcia missed a race and had a rough race this past weekend. And then um, Ankrum's been wildly inconsistent. And Haley Deegan is whatever she is. Uh, Rajak Karuth has had some rough races earlier in the year. So he's kind of been in catch-up mode since. So we'll see what happens with that um, amongst these drivers as we move forward for Charlotte here on Friday evening uh, on the Truck Series side. Uh, Indianapolis 500 qualifying. Uh, the two big uh, storylines, Alex Pillow going and winning, running the fastest four-lap average for a pole sitter in the Indianapolis 500, breaking the record that his teammate Scott Dixon had from last year. And, um, you know, the front row for the Indianapolis 500, uh, the the drama that uh, took place, uh, three, yeah, that's another thing, three straight indie poles for Ganassi, uh, something that was last done by Penske, of course, four in a row. And I think three of, or whatever, 88, yeah. And that was 
Um, I think it was Rick Mears. Uh, at least in three of those, it was Rick Mears. Um, I feel like Emerson Fittipaldi did in one of those years, but I might be wrong. Um, Alex Pillow put a four-lap average of 234.217 miles an hour. Um, I was wrong. I said to Pat Edwards on the front row, my mistake. Um, Renus VK in the middle of the front row, continuing his great consistency at Indianapolis qualifying-wise, uh, putting the Ed Carpenter Racing number 21 on the middle of the front row, 234.211. So point zero zero six of a mile an hour, it worked out point, what is it? Zero zero four uh, four thousandths uh, of a second the difference between Alex Pillow and Renus VK uh, there and then Felix Rosenquist driving the Ayrton Senna uh, throwback for the McLaren Triple Crown pain schemes had been the fastest guy for a lot of the week and had been fast all through the weekend. But when the Fast Six came along, he wasn't able to repeat that. Uh, in the Firestone Fast Six, Root Beer Floathead Santino Ferrucci got AJ Foyt Racing's 14 into the Fast Six and was a favorite, theoretical favorite for the front row, um, but had a little bit of issues on his qualifying run. Pato Award and Scott Dixon, the 2008 winner, the trying to become the second six-time pole sitter of the race with Rick Mears if he had won the pole uh, on Sunday. But still, he starts sixth, and he wants to win this race. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, we'll can we go through the grid. Row three is all former winners of this race. Alexander Rossi, Takuma Sato driving for Ganassi and Tony Kanaan in his last race of his career. So all four-hour McLaren cars are in the top nine. And uh, what is it, three, all four of the Ganassi cars are in the top 10 since the defending Indy 500 champion Marcus Erickson qualified 10th. And um, Benjamin Peterson, the other uh, AJ Foyt car, qualified 11th, and Will Power rounded out the fast 12. Row 5 sees Ed Carpenter, Scott McLaughlin, and Kyle Kirkwood. Row 6, Connor Daly, Joseph Newgarden, and Captain America, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray. Row 7, Roman Grosjean, Elio Castro-Neves, and Colton Herta. Row 8, Simon Pagino, David Malukas, and Marco Andretti. Row 9, Stefan Wilson, Devlin DeFrancesco, Augustin Canapino. And then where the real sweat started was in row 10. Uh, I mean, Malukas was sweating bullets, but he made a Hail Mary run late on Saturday to get himself in 23rd. Callum Eilat had to change chassis to get into the show. Um, R.C. Enerson, after multiple years of trying to get into the Indy 500, not only gets in the Indy 500, but gets in on Saturday with Able Motorsports. Uh, so he'll be making his first start in the Indianapolis 500 on Sunday. And Catherine Legg, who ended up being the fastest of the four uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan cars by qualifying 30th. Uh, the final row of the grid determined on Sunday afternoon, Christian Lundgaard, Stingray Rob, and Jack Harvey. The uh, car that went home 30 years after his dad is Green Rehall. Um, very emotional time and a crazy thing to watch. Uh, that whole dynamic that took place there in that hour session. But yeah, Alex Pillow running the fastest um, first lap, I think, ever, or fastest lap, because uh, I'm trying to see here if they would write four lap average, and you right there. I'm trying to look at the laps. Yeah, it shows the time. They don't show the 
they don't show the um oh they're showing all the different qualifying events oh, they don't they just show the time of the a lap they don't show the speed unfortunately but um, i think his fastest one was 235 wasn't it yeah 235 i was trying to find what the actual lap was is 235 point um whatever so uh okay so but polo gets the pole the points leader finished second in this race two years ago on his way to the indycar championship josh um and he set himself up really good for a possible indianapolis 500 and chip canassi likes winners even if they're likely to leave um leave this uh uh he leaves the team for ray for uh mclaren i want to bring up one piece before we get into more discussion stefan wilson uh after the practice incident that took place between him and Catherine leg um was taken off on a backboard and will be out of the Indianapolis 500 due to a back injury. A dryer and Reinbold will announce who will be driving for them um, in uh, later in the week. Uh, so it's unfortunate to see and hear for a guy who basically puts all his eggs in trying to run this one week, one race a year, uh, the brother of the late Justin Wilson. And now he's going to be out with a, um, what is it? A, it's a 12th threat thoracic vertebrae fracture um, in back with the, uh, for the back injury when he got basically pile drove by Catherine Legg uh, when people started backing off late in the practice there. So a huge incident, unfortunate for Stefan Wilson. Sad to see that be the case for him. But uh, um, thoughts to him and his family, of course. But Josh, we have to talk about the front row. I mean, Polo was fast, but wasn't theoretically the fastest guy through all these sessions. But when it counted, he showed up kind of like what his teammate usually does, Scott Dixon, at least at Indy. Um, and the McLaren guys who had been fast for most of this week, unfortunately, weren't able to bring that speed out on Sunday. Yeah. Hello, Polo, of course, goes out and wins the uh, pole. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, he wasn't the you know, name that we really saw, you know, throughout practice uh, on Friday, but his team, Chip Ganassi Racing, of course, uh, they they showed a lot of speed as, uh, you know, in general. So it's not too surprising that his car was the, ended up being the fastest there. Um, but, you know, he was able to, whatever they've got working on that car, he was able to go out and set the record for the fastest pole and then just the you know fastest single lap speed that we've seen since 1996 so um they've they've got they've got it hooked up on the track they've got the balance uh, on the race car um j just right you know just uh, enough downforce to keep it uh from you know spinning out or anything and also um just a uh enough drag to you know hold it you know down the straights and everything so uh for yeah, for Polo, I mean, he's already gotten the uh, Indianapolis Grand Prix uh, a couple, you know, last weekend. Now he's got the pole. Uh, so now I think the question is, uh, can he win the race? And, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's definitely possible. Simon Pagano did a couple years ago. Um, and as long as they are able to get out in front and race trim, uh, yeah, I think they've, they've got a really good shot. But, uh, yeah, as far as the qualifying uh, in general, you know, with the the speeds uh, that they're running now, of course, the fastest uh, field ever. Um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when Scott Dixon won the pole back in 2017, and people were uh, shocked at the you know 232 lap that he put uh, in, during his qualifying run uh, for the pole, and how 
how you could hear the crowd uh, on the broadcast when they said 232 because it was the fastest since 1996, and now the field has gotten faster in the last you know two years. And you know Friday you see a 232 average, and you're like, oh, that's really fast. Then 233, okay, they're really going fast. 234, oh shit, they're going real fast now. And then uh, Alex Plo goes out and puts down a 235 on his first lap. Um, and of course, the trade-off there is, of course, the faster you go there, I mean, you obviously expect a bigger fall-off um, and everything. So, uh, for you know, for the field to be that quick shows uh, just how much you know work goes into it. But then also, um, just uh, you know how how much uh, they've, I guess, advanced in car setup the last couple of years and figuring out uh, how to extract speed, and it also leads um, the theory that you know potentially next year or the year after they're gonna actually set the the actual track record for qualifying or or practice whichever one actually counts of course remember Ari Leindyke 236 miles an hour back in 1996 and they haven't broken it since then uh but you know I think it's definitely possible with the new engine package that's supposed to come at some point you know with the hybrid engines that they've been kind of toying with uh, with uh, Honda at least um, and possibly Chevrolet uh, think that's definitely something that's on the horizon that could add to um, uh, a speed increase possibly uh, would like to would like to see because I think it'd be really cool if they finally um, you know set the track record like that um, but uh, that's uh, should be interesting but the rest of the field you know I think you know we talked about in our previews last week, you know, we talked about who would be on the front row uh, for this. And I mean, I, I think, you know, we got definitely got two of the fast uh, six right there with Scott Dixon. Uh, Pato Award was in it. Kanan, well, he was in the fast 12, so he was in, the, in there in that competition. Missed it on New Garden. Um, they just didn't have the speed uh, on Saturday to be able to get into uh, the fast 12 on Sunday. Uh, you know, Malukas obviously was slow as well uh, there, but I think, you know, really surprised by the pace that AJ Foyt racing, especially Santino Ferrucci, Ben Peterson, um, you know, hasn't really done anything yet in IndyCar. And then all of a sudden here in Indianapolis and even on, on Friday, we didn't really see anything that would indicate that, you know, they would be in the, the fast 12, but they went and lay down a really, really good lap um, there. So, you know, I think it's really impressive. Uh, that they're able to, you know, put their cars, both their cars, uh, towards the front. So uh, we'll see, you know, if they're able to stay there next, you know, on next Sunday. See if uh, Ferrucci is able to do something uh, in this race. Of course, you know, when he's been in this race, you know, he's done relatively well and has uh, had some good finishes here at Indianapolis. So now his best career start here at Indy. Um, uh, Ferrucci, I think, is legitimately a, a dark horse pick uh, to win this race. Uh, so we'll see if you know he's able to make it happen, of course. And why, why not with uh, AJ Foyt, of course? Uh, let's see if we can get Super Tech's uh, sixth win as owner or driver, and of course, great paint scheme, American flag uh, paint scheme there uh, for Ferrucci. So yeah, that was definitely surprising, but definitely a, a good storyline. And you know, of course, Graham Ray Hall failing to qualify. Uh, didn't think it would happen, but. Jack Harvey made snatched it away there uh, at the last minute, and uh, of course uh, they probably have to make a lot of changes in their engineering staff there uh, at RLL. So we'll see if 
something you know happens like that, uh, of course, um, we'll see if um, they make any changes. But that's a huge blow for the month of May for that team, uh, and we'll see uh, how it affects Ray Hall uh, going forward in the season. And of course, you know how fitting is it? You know, basically thirty years after uh, Bobby Ray Hall fails to qualify son graham goes out fails to qualify for the 107th and e 500 and that whole dynamic as i mentioned earlier was crazy i think they i mean they talked about it he talked about it in the post uh mortem that they were dead to rights when they came to they went to texas and then um after that when they did the open test they knew they were in trouble because for how close these cars are you're not gonna find the i mean you're talking about thousands of a second and that's literally what it was there at the end of the field thousands of a second or thousands of a mile an hour to get in the show uh, it was much different 30 years ago for bobby rahal when he was driving the true sports chassis and trying to you know be the be the uh, savior make an american chassis and make it work in indycar uh he promptly went and bought a lola and uh went and drove a Lola for the next, I don't know, three years, uh, two and a half years after that. Um, that was a massive moment in his career. Uh, he never won a race after his championship year in 1992. I was thinking about it for these guys that have DNQ'd how it's affected their careers afterwards. Um, I mean, Ryan hunter Ray is, I think, the contrast to that because he got sent by Marco and John Andretti and other and, and Tony Kanaan, uh when all the Andretti cars were absolute were were dog crap and um, he came back and not only won an IndyCar championship he won the Indianapolis 500 uh, but otherwise you look back at the history of some of these guys that have been knocked out of this race uh, the the future has not exactly looked great. Um, James Inchcliffe went from winning the pole a couple of years before that to failing to qualify for the race. And then I think like two years later, he's two or three years later, he's now a TV commentator. Uh, he only won, I think, maybe two more races the rest of his career. Uh, Al Unser Jr., for all intents and purposes, his career and relevance was over after he and Emerson Fittipaldi uh, failed to qualify in 1995. Emerson Fittipaldi almost died in an accident in Michigan the following year, but that was basically it. Um, Penske, it took him all those years to come back to Indianapolis. And um, and, it, and that it's proof positive that it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the greatest ever at the Speedway, like Roger Penske, or you could be a small team that has a 150th of the budget or whatever. It doesn't, Indianapolis doesn't care. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway doesn't care. You have to come correct every time you're there. Because it'll bite you and it will take you, take everything out of you. And the symmetry, the sad symmetry that took place with the just the the look on Bobby Rahal's face on that wall, knowing that Graham was going to get knocked out of the race. And then Graham sitting in the car, you could start seeing it like when they zoomed into his uh, visor, they zoomed in where you could see like the emotion starting to build up, knowing this is a race he's wanted to win his whole life. He's been close a few times before had some decent cars for not only his dad, but you know, at Ganassi and come up short. And now he's going to be watching the Indianapolis 500 uh, somewhere. I'm curious as to where that'll be. Uh, that was, I mean, insane. Uh, you look at how, what do you call Christian Lundgaard 
won the pole for the Indy road course a couple of weeks ago, and then you put them on an oval and they're dog crap. Uh, Jack Harvey basically is not going to have a job next year, knocks out one of his best friends, and uh, basically the reason why he has a ride in Graham to get into the Indy 500. Stingray Rob, I think the plan for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan was they were going to isolate Stingray Rob and hopefully put him in the position where he'd have to keep on going out there. Well, the Ray Hall cards were not that good. Um, only one of them beat him. And uh, fundamentally, that's part of the reason why uh, Graham was in the position he was in. And now with Graham Ray Hall going home, you have Stefan Wilson out of the Indianapolis 500. Catherine Legg has a destroyed race car. So Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing is in bad shape in general. Uh, for Dreyer and Reinbold, this is their only race of the year. Um, trying to get a backup car ready or getting a car ready for a, a, f- a backup driver. Not sure if Sage Karam is around or available, but he likes coming from the last row to go and finish in the top 10. So maybe they ought to go and give him a call. Uh, just a thought. Um, but who knows who they're going to have. I was able to find one of these 8,000 reports IndyCar has. Um, Alex Plow's first lap was 235.131. Uh, Renus VK had uh, a lap of, of 235.019 on his first lap. Uh, so, I mean, that's why it was so close, 234.4 to um Pelos 234-399. So it was very close. 403 to 399. Um VK 233-982 on lap three to 233-930 for Polo. And then the last lap, Rena's VK 233.444 versus Alex Pelos 233.415. So theoretically, uh Rena's VK lost the pole on the first lap. Because he was faster than Polo the other three laps. Um, he gave up too much time in the first lap, which is insane to think. You know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of a second. And then that was the same case in terms of the um, the back end of the grid uh, as well. Because you look at how... Um, how that, yeah, how that went, uh, Jack Harvey and Graham Rahal ends up going six by 0.007 of a mile an hour, uh, point zero zero was it five, you know, was it five or four, five, yeah, 45, 10 thousandths of a second, I think that's my raw or no, 44, 10 thousandths of a second over the span of four laps sends Jack Harvey into the Indy 500 and sends Graham Ray Hall home. So really crazy uh, qualifying. Uh, echo what you said, Josh, about AJ Foyt's team showing up out of nowhere. I think Michael Cannon being uh, the main guy now running the team uh, with all the great experience he's had over the years and all the tricks he's learned through all these different teams has uh, given them pace. Now, Question I have is, will that pace transfer over to um, race pace um, come Sunday? Uh, As it stands, I'm trying to go look. Benjamin Peterson ran the eighth fastest time uh, of the day uh, today. Going looking back through that, Santino Ferrucci was 31st. Uh, Trying to see. Yeah, so... Trying to go through and go combine results. I don't know what that means. No. Oh, that uh, combine. That's the fastest laps they've run all month. Okay. Then in the practice seat uh, showed. So that was willpower. Yeah. Willpower was the fastest, but it doesn't show breakdowns, section results, I guess. Well, that's for every car. I'm not going to go through all of that. 
Um, yeah, for a section lap going start finishing at turn one, uh, Joseph Newgarden was the fastest with Connor Daly and Al- Alex Pillow uh, behind him. Takuma Sato and from turn one to the short shoot, Sato, Dixon, Power, Pillow, uh, short shoot to turn two, Dixon, Sato, Power, and Pillow. I guess we're going to have a mirror there. Um, Newgarden, Pat Award, Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, Takuma Sato, Will Power. Uh, Polo was ninth. So I guess we're, f- we're finding a pattern here uh, of who the, who the fast cars are. There's Elio Castro, Dash Neves, and uh, Tony Canon sighting uh, there coming in out of turn three into the short shoot. Connor Daly, who wants to win this race in the worst way. Uh, Power, Sato, Award, Dixon, Polo, Canon, Erickson. Connor Daly was 10th. And then turn forward front straight, Polo, or Award, Polo, Sato, Erickson, Benjamin Peterson, and Santino Ferrucci. And then to start from for, for FS from to start finish. So um, it's Colt Nerda and Ryan Underray, Takuma Sato, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's one more practice they're going to have on uh, Friday, of course, Carb Day, pit stop competition, all weather, um, at least those things, weather permitting. Uh, they'll have, they used to have the Freedom 100. Don't know why they got rid of it. Um, they're going to have music and all kinds of craziness. That'll definitely go on. Um, and we'll get into the Indy 500 in more detail uh, later on. But as it stands right now, Ganassi and um, McLaren look like they're the teams to beat, but you can never count out Penske at his house, literally. Um, And you can't count. And in this case, AJ Foyt, you know, being that he's, you know, he's able to be at the racetrack, maybe the, the vibes and everything of super techs being there might push Santino Ferrucci to get his first IndyCar win, get uh, that win. Like Josh said, first win for AJ at Indianapolis since 1999 with uh, Kenny Breck, who um, won when uh, Robbie Gordon ran out of gas uh, coming off of turn four, going to the white flag lap, driving for John Menard. All right. So yeah, F1 at Imola, we talked about that. There was canceled due to torrential rains and flooding with basically no uh, likely scenario where they're going to go and uh, come back to make up the race, at least this year. Uh, so unfortunate in one way, but it's for, you know, for the people that live there, um, it's fortunate because the resources are being focused towards them. And hopefully, you know, the safety and the waters will recede and they'll be able to uh, recover, hopefully, but we don't know. It's kind of crazy how all these weather events seem to be happening in recent years and segments of the population want to act like, you know, these things don't exist. So whatever. Uh, We'll get into the roundup uh, now. The F1 Academy was at uh, Barcelona um, at um, at the uh, what should we call uh, Barcelona? Yeah, so the um, what do they call that circuit? Catalonia circuit. Uh, so we'll get into that at Barcelona. Emily De Hus won race one. Uh, she's part of MP Racing. Amna Al Kabasi run race two, and Buhler uh, won in race three for ART, uh, for the results there, the standings, Marta Garcia, uh, scored points in all three races, increases her points lead to, uh, 41 points over Hamda Al-Kabasi, Buhler 
is third, 11 points behind Al-Kabasi, pulling fourth, and Amna Al-Kabasi is fifth. There's a really good battle between pulling Amna Al-Kabasi and Nina Marti, uh, seven points between those three drivers. They'll take a month off before they race at Zandford again. The um, I think I went in and did that on. Okay, that's why. Um, give me a second here because I did it right on the outline page. Uh, the supercars were at Simmons Plains uh, this past weekend, and the Repco Supercars Championship uh, sees uh, you know, Ned Wissy Tasmania Super Sprint. Uh, the results of the races at uh, Tasmania Super Sprint. Uh, race ten was won by Will Brown of the Coca-Cola Erebus Chevy team and race 11 Brock Feeney for Red Bull Chevy and then Will Brown again in race 12 uh one uh so two out of three for uh Will Brown a pretty good weekend in general because of the qualifying practice beats for the Coca-Cola team in general at uh at uh, the Tasmania Super Sprint so going into that um Brock Feeney uh Shane Van Gisbert and Will Brown all have three wins so far this year. Brody Kostecki leads for the Armor All Pole with three. Van Gisbert and Feeney and Will Brown have two. So basically, we know what's going on. Either one of those two teams is going to win and win all the polls. That's what this whole season has been. The Fords are definitely on a back foot. They have a little over three weeks before the Darwin Triple Crown. Hopefully, some things can be changed for their sake so they can actually be competitive. Brody Kostecki still leads the points by 87 over his teammate Will Brown. Chaz Moster third uh, in the best Ford. Uh, the Walking Chandretti United Mobile one Ford, 166 points out of the lead. Shane Van Gisbergen, 172 out in fourth. Brock Feeney, 191 out in fifth. Cam Waters, who won uh, the first round of the championship, is in sixth, 229. In, uh, we'll go to NHRA at uh, Chicagoland. <coughs> Excuse me. This past weekend, um, oh, man, uh, Clay Milliken got the win in Top Fuel first time in three years. I think they said, uh, you know, so that's Tim Wilkerson. Yeah, made his first start twenty years ago. One year twenty years. Tim Wilkerson winning at the track where he won his first uh, funny car race. Uh, Milken won there on the 25th anniversary of his first start yesterday and also on the 20th anniversary. So um, there's Gate and he was at Chicago. Um, trying to find the results more detailed. It doesn't seem to show that right there. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so the Pro Sign Motorcycle, Pro Mod is Jose Gonzalez. No top alcohol dragster. So no Tony Stewart. Uh, in top field, Clay Milliken in uh, in the 51, uh, driving for Rick Ware, uh, amongst other people, beats Josh Hart in the top field final. And uh, the latter itself, uh, Clay Milliken came from the number 11 spot, beat Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, and Brittany Force on his way to the victory. TJ Zizzo, or I mean, Josh Hart came from the 12 spot, beat Antron Brown, Jacob McNeil and TJ Zizzo, who was the 16th qualifier, um, who made it to semifinals, local guy uh, there. In the funny car category, uh, Tim Wilkerson, as mentioned, gets the victory. Uh, he qualified fifth, beat Blake Alexander, Alex Laughlin, John Force, who got him on the tree but smoked the tires, and then Ron Caps. Uh, he was late on the tree again, Wilkerson, but uh, slowed down. Uh, 
Ron Gaps had issues and had to slow down. Uh, Wilkerson gets the victory there. Uh, his teammates with um, Tony Schumacher these days. The Skag Power Equipment team. Uh, Ron Caps was sixth. Got a got a buy run in the second round because I guess um, both drivers had issues. Um, and then beat Chad Green in the semis before uh, his exit in or loss in the final. In Pro Stock, Dallas Glenn, another victory, number one qualifier. Uh, beat Chris McGahey, Glenn, his teammate, Greg Anderson, Jerry Tucker in the semifinal, and then Derek Kramer in the final. Kramer from the two spot beat Mason McGahey, Christian Quadra, Aaron Stanfield to get there. Camry Caruso won the call out the day before. Uh, but got treed by Jerry Tucker and uh, lost. Eric Ender's season continues to be pretty tough. Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer person. Uh, the our Gage Herrera benefit, which is the Pro Stock Motorcycle class, continues. Started uh, number one spot, got a buy run, essentially. And then in round one, Ron Turno wasn't able to show. Mark Ingerson beats him in round two. And then his teammate, Eddie Krawick, in the semifinals before beating Chip Ellis in the final. Ellis from the number two hole, uh, Chris Bostic Redlit in the first round. Then Chase Van Zant Redlit in the second. Ellis and Hector Arana have a battle in the semifinal. Uh, close race, but Chip Ellis won. Advanced two, said final. And then in Pro Mod, I mentioned earlier Jose Gonzalez, the winner over Chris Thorne in uh, Pro Modified. <laughs> Standings right now in top fuel, Steve Torrance, the points leader by 17 over Brittany Force, uh, 27 over Austin Proc, 31, Justin Ashley, 34 over Leah Pruitt. So very close uh, point situation within the top five, top eight or within 100 points. So that's one thing you always have to look at. Looks like 12 drivers will make the playoff as it stands right now. In um, funny cards, same thing. I think 12 cars will make it out of there. Uh Six drivers within 100 points. Hagen leading by 13 over Caps. 40 over Height. DeJoria 62. Wilkerson 87. And uh, Chad Green 91. Dallas Glenn uh, putting a whooping on him these days. 168 point lead over Matt Hartford. Add another seven. You got Derek Kramer in third. Add another eight. And you have Troy Coughlin in fourth. Aaron Stanfield rounds out the top five. Kyle Koretsky right now is 295. Points out in 10th. Eric Enders is glad that as long as she shows up for every race, uh, she'll be in the playoff. As it stands, that means right now she's 14th in points behind Fernando Quadra Jr. Uh, and Mason McGay and Jerry Tucker, her teammate. That's kind of hilarious. Uh, and Pro Stock Motorcycle, Gage Herrera, same deal. Uh, 169 point lead on Eddie Krawick, uh, 175 on Matt Smith. Chase Van Zandt, 212, and Hector Rana Jr., uh, 218 back. Uh, 247 points separate first and 10th. Uh, Chip Ellis was is in 10th now. Interesting to see um, how that all goes uh, as the season progresses. We'll uh, do Formula 2. Formula 2 at uh, Monaco. They'll be racing this weekend, of course. Or yeah, you got Formula Two, you got Formula Three. So we'll go, we'll go three, and then we'll go two. The standings right now: Bordoletto uh, leads by twenty points over Saucy and thirty over Baganovic and Gabriel Mini. Uh, Marty is fifth. It's a close 
race between third through ninth are separated by nine points. So a lot to play for. Um, the Imola round being canceled, I wonder how that'll uh, affect the schedule for the F3 because they have a little bit more uh, flexibility with their schedule, um, a lot more openings there. Uh, the team's championship, Trident, uh, leads by 30 points over Prema, uh, High Tech, ART, Campos, round out the top five. In Formula 2, uh, same situation, though, you know, I think probably in June they could run a race or organize something in uh, July, or they have that huge gap between Monza and uh, Yas Marina where they could end up inserting another round. Teo Pocher leads by three over Frederick Vesti. Iwasa, third, uh, seven points back. Ali Bierman, Kushmini tied for fourth, or fourth and fifth there, 41 points. Hauger uh, in a battle there between, there's 10 points separating fourth through 10th. Uh, so interesting, the tight confines of Monaco, how that will affect the drivers. So speaking of Monaco, it is the Monaco Grand Prix. It's a principality. It's the one, it's the the pageantry and all these rich bastards that have multi-million dollar boats and cars and most of the drivers live there. Um, in the grand scheme of things, we kind of know what's going to happen already, unless it rains. Um, then there might be a little bit of a, a difference. Mercedes wasn't able to try their upgrades. So now Mercedes will be debuting their upgrade package. Any of these other teams that were thinking of doing upgrade package at Imola will be debuting it at at Monaco uh, this coming weekend. Um, I mean, over the years, Grand Prix winners, over the, I mean, this race has gone on since 1929. Um, of course, Ayrton Senna has won it the most times, six, and it was in a very tight, in a small period from 87 to 93. Um, last year, Charles Leclerc won the pole, uh, but crashed and um, wasn't able to start. Sergio Perez ended up winning the race over Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen. So the yeah, winners, yeah, there's, I'm trying to look at, yeah, current drivers. Lewis Hamilton's a three-time winner of the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, he won it in 2008 in his second year as a driver. And then he's won it two more times uh, as a driver for Mercedes. Uh, Fernando Alonso won back-to-back in 06 and 07. So those are the two active drivers that have won uh, multiple Monaco Grand Prix. And scrolling through, uh, Fish Lips has won this race in 2021. And um, other than that, I mean, yeah, other than that, you're going back, Lewis, you know, all these guys are retired. So yeah, Max Verstappen going for his second win at Monaco. Sergio Perez trying to go for two in a row. Um, add his name to that illustrious list uh, of repeat winners at Monaco. He joined the likes of Juan Manuel Fangio, Nicky Lauda, Jody Schechter, all-world champions Fernando Alonso, and Sebastian Vettel, all as uh, winners twice at the Monaco Grand Prix, if he were to do it, or if Fish Lips were to do it. So uh, what say you, Josh? Uh, which Red Bull are you going to pick for the Monaco Grand Prix? Um, I mean, it's really tough because you have Verstappen, who's been very fast this year and clearly the favorite more than likely. But you also have his teammate who has a propensity for um, just when you think Verstappen is going to win, here comes uh, Sergio Perez and comes out and gets this win. Uh, but you know what? I'll just go with Verstappen here. 
I think he wins it this year. Um, I think this race should go smoothly for him. You know, you know unless it rains, which I suppose is possible, uh, I think he should have uh, no problems picking up the win here. Um, I am interested to see, you know, if Ferrari qualifies on pole again, like they have the last two years, but then somehow they will botch the strategy once again. Uh, so third time's the charm there. Uh, so we'll see if uh, that takes place uh, or not. But yeah, I'll go for stopping uh, podium or not podium, but first place um, Perez second and then Alonso rounding out the podium there. Yeah, it's uh, solid based on what's been going on all year. Um, Alonzo, of course, being good at this track, uh, also at one point deciding to take the Monaco Grand Prix off to go and run the Indianapolis 500 uh, once upon a time when he drove for McLaren. So for me, as as always, I'll just go the other way. Sergio Perez, the street course master, um, even though at Miami he got basically owned by... Uh, Got uh, owned by uh, uh, Verstappen there. I'll go with Checo to win. I will take uh, I'll take Alonso to finish second, and I will take. This is crazy. Why not? Who cares? I'm gonna pick Charlie Claire to finish third. I'm gonna say that Max Verstappen gets into some buddy or something uh, and doesn't uh, finish the race. Hence the more scattered uh, podium and Perez at that point can also, uh, I think would take the points lead if he were to do that. If it, yeah, I think that, right. think that um, would happen. I mean, stranger things have happened at Monaco. Uh, there was once in 1996 when I think eight cars were classified at the end of that Grand Prix and Olivier Panis for uh, Liget won his one and only Grand Prix. Uh, everybody had issues in that race. Every car that you thought was going to win ended up something happening to him. So crazier things have happened. Botas too. <laughs> yeah, Botas when his wheel um, literally was frozen solid onto his car. Uh, Lewis has been there and been screwed over by his team with strategy. Uh, Daniel Ricardo famously has had that happen to him too back in the day. Uh, it's a win that every Formula One driver wants. It's not really a racetrack. It's basically a procession, processional race. The cars are too wide and too long to even overtake. Uh, I mean, whatever, but it is Monaco, and it's been there since the beginning of Formula One. So we have to do that. I'm curious to see what some of these teams in the midfield will bring to the table now. Um, you know, I think, uh, oh, wow. Uh, let's see. I'm going into Formula One just out of the, to go and look at it. Uh, standings. Just to remind people, uh, first stop and has a 14 point lead on Checo. Fernando Alonso's in third, 19 points out of Lewis Hamilton. Carlos Sainz is fifth, four points out of George Russell. Uh, Charlie Clare is seventh, uh, 10 points behind Carlos Sainz. Lance Stroll and Lando Norris, all the double-digit points scorers. In the constructors, uh, Red Bull is out by a country mile. Uh, Aston Martin's up by six points over Mercedes, and Ferrari is in third. And then there's everybody else. So for the everybody else, 
What are they going to bring to the table now that we're going to get on a bit of a roll? Uh, two races in a row. There's going to be a lot of races coming along here. So if you get get things right or you're putting a, put yourself in a good position, you could have a chance to compete uh, as we go in through the summer. Uh, or if you go the other way, it could go really sideways and your development will start for 2024 uh, before the British Grand Prix. Uh, something to see though. Lando Norris had the fastest lap in this race last year. Uh, for anyone that does care, uh, McLaren has been off on and off all year in Formula One. We'll see if they can show up at the track, which they've won the most races at of any other team constructor uh, in Formula One history. Uh, amongst other things, the French connection, what can they do with Alpine? And who knows what else? I mean, Logan Sargent has done all right at Monaco in his time, so maybe he can put something together and pull one out of that. The NASCAR triple header at Charlotte. Uh, we'll get into that. Let's go and get some uh, entry lists on uh, posted there. Uh, the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, which will be on Friday night. Only 36 trucks for 36 spots. Uh, they the starting lineup, latest final entry list. Yeah, the link didn't work. They don't have the Roper Racing 04 has now decided to um, uh, go and, um, and not enter for whatever reason. Uh, G2G with Armani Williams. That means he'll uh, back into the race. Uh, don't have anybody listed for the zero, the one truck for Tricon. Uh, Chris Wrong in the zero two again. I'm trying to see if there's anything different, really. Mason Maggio in the twenty two. Matt Mills in the twenty. Uh, Ryan Vargas in the thirty. Josh Rayum in his own thirty three. Keith McGee in the thirty four. Bailey Curry driving for the forty one for Nice Motorsports. Jack Wood driving the 51 for KBM. Tyler Hill in the 56 so instead of his brother, Justin Carroll. That might be another piece that's part of it. Uh, Justin Carroll, who's running limited races, uh, might have they might have paid off the 0-4 team to not show up. And then Armani Williams, as I mentioned earlier. So we look at that. I mean, I, I'll go here um, first so I can get a little bit more time to help my voice. Uh, I'm going to go pick Corey Heim. To win, uh, he's been on a heater recently. They've been fast at Tricon. I think that um, he could get another win here and build that momentum into this summer stretch. Of course, the schedule is going to get really wonky now um, as we go on through the rest of the season for the Truck Series. But all those points count. Uh, so I I say that um, Corey Himes the winner after um, the race on Friday night. Go through the points again, just out of curiosity of all the drivers that have run. I count Jake Garcia under that. So 22 drivers have run basically every race. I mean, you can have, you can count Spencer Boyd under that too, but nobody really gives a crap about Spencer Boyd. Um, my wild card, my wild card, uh, I mean, it's right there. It's, it's like a Kyle Farnsworth fastball. Um, and I think this will probably be the last chance I'll have to pick him as a wild card, Nick Sanchez. Uh, the guy has been flirting with a victory for I don't know how many races this year. Been super fast everywhere. Gotta be the time for Nick Sanchez to get that victory, solidify himself into the playoffs uh, and start putting the squeeze on for some of these other veteran drivers in the series. Uh, what say you, Josh, in regards to the trucks of Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, good picks there. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Corey Heim really been really good. Obviously, has a little bit of momentum uh, from North Wilkesboro there. Uh, but I mean, I mean, it's hard to go. You know, we're at a mile and a half home track, uh, home race. So uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Zane Smith uh, taking home the win here. Uh, this weekend, um, you know, they've just been really good, you know, so far to start the year, and it's just, you know, really hard to go uh, against him, uh, you know, for, you know, he's the points leader, well, he's not the points leader, but he's already got two race wins, uh, this is a good, I think this is a good track for him uh, to go out and get an, a third victory, and only 16 points back in points, so uh, he's he's got a chance to take the points lead here uh, coming up. Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, yeah, wild card. Um, I I will go uh, as a wild card. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll go I'll go with Roger Cruz once again as a wild card. Uh, I've been picking him recently, but it's just like I look at the standings there. The reason why I do this because I look at the standings there and. It just looks like from the people around around his name just aren't aren't trustworthy enough, I guess. And uh, I think you know mile mile and a halfs for driver that is relatively inexperienced. I think really easy. So uh, I think uh, you know you can get a good finish there. Um, so you know I, that's kind of why I go with him because it's easy. I feel like it's easy to pick him there, but that's all I'll go with. Um, so, a uh, bit of standard issue there in terms of picks, but you know we'll we're going to change the wild card to the Roger Carruth wild card. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it would be like me when starting next week. I'll go Jake Garcia, and you'll go Roger Carruth, and we'll just do that for the rest of the year until they move into the top eleven or something. But yeah, Roger Carruth, Josh's wild card pick generally uh, does have experience at Charlotte in an ARCA car last year. So, um, and he's been picking up pace as he's gone along. So um, curious to see what he can do at Charlotte. Um, he'll be running double duty, actually uh, running the Xfinity race for Alpha Prime. Uh, go through that 40 cars, 40 spots, nobody going home. Blaine Perkins, again, will be in the hour number zero two. Smithley in the four uh, for JD Motorsports. Stefan Parsons back in the SS Greenlight 07. Uh, Greg Alding in the 08. Uh, Kyle Bush will be driving the 10 for Colleg. Uh, Ty or Keebler Gibbs will be in the 19 for Gibbs. Connor Mozak in the 24 for Sam Hunt. Uh, Emerling driving the 35 for himself. Joe Graff back in the 38. Yeah, I mentioned Roger Carruth. Uh, CJ McLaughlin, the automatic caution, will be in the 53. Uh, Timmy Hill will be trying, will be making the show. It looks like with the 66, it's been a rough year for them this year. Former guest of the show, Dawson Cram, will be driving the CHK 74. No listed driver as it's as of now for the 91. Uh, Kyle Seegan, the 28, and Carson Osevar will be doing double duty uh, in the Spire 77. So, Josh, um, let you go first on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think real easy here. Uh, go with Kyle Busch winning uh, in Xfinity here with Colleague Racing this weekend. Um, hasn't been easy, actually, for him, but you know, I feel like uh, you know he can get it done uh, at this track here um, for, for Colleague. 
uh, which hasn't been as strong. Uh, but you know they did win on the mile and a half with Chandler Smith uh, at Las Vegas early in the year, and now we're starting to see more mile and a halfs. And he did Kyle Busch did run top ten there at uh, Las Vegas earlier in the year. So um, yeah, very easy here to go uh, Kyle Busch in terms of uh, in terms of that um, wild you know wild card in this in this one um we're here uh i'm gonna go parker kligerman wild card of course you know he's he's been running pretty solidly as well as of late and let's see if um you know he can turn in a top 10 finish here this weekend uh at charlotte Uh, i think he's you know got a lot of experience uh you know in the uh truck series and everything now let's see if he can bring that up uh, in his return to the xfinity series yeah we'll see they what is it last year they won the race with tyler reddick uh i think it's either there or texas one of those two they won uh the 48 team so curious to see what they can do there um it's a good solid pick i mean or didn't get make the show for the truck race at uh, at uh, North Wilkesboro, so he's probably looking for some redemption. Uh, 17, well, 25 drivers. If we're going to get into it, we could really add Josh Williams because he raged. He did what everyone would want to do because it was a joke by how they treated his situation. And Greg Alding's run all but one race. But if we're doing it under that uh, regular count, I think that means... So that means it'll be 13th. Or, oh, so actually... Under that logic, Parker Kligerman is out as a wild card. Oh yeah, under under any under because if I just if I don't even count the two guys who have ten starts, it will be thirteen drivers, or it'll be the top thirteen. Um, if I count that, the two drivers would be I think the top was a fourteen or something, or yeah, at least the top fourteen. So I I, I can guess. amend this real quick okay. and put in Kaz Gralla. They've been running. Right pretty good as well i think i think you pick kaz Grawl a lot too i don't know maybe that's just me i have to i have to check this uh here so wild card makes i mean it's a solid pick toyota's at charlotte usually pretty solid sam hunt racing has brought good vehicles uh, at times to the to the racetrack here recently um i'll go with a cup guy too i'll go with keebler he's won here before one on the on the roval the one on the oval he moved chase briscoe to win said race a couple of years ago um and i figure you know using the energy he's got from making the all-star race um somehow or another fading another guy trying to run him over uh, i think he'll have a really fast race car uh john hunter nemechek definitely will be giving him a big battle um uh, i do agree with josh about Chandler Smith and Kyle Busch. I figure it's going to be amongst that crew. Uh, Cole Custer hasn't really shown out all year. This is a racetrack where he's done really well at in an Xfinity car previously. Maybe this is his time to shine. You never know with um, Austin Hill. He's been fast all year. Um, And Sheldon Creed, if you can run the fence, it probably is a good chance that Sheldon Creed will be the first one that gets there. Uh, The wild card pick for me for this weekend, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... um, I'll go with... uh, no, I'll, I'll go with Ryan Sieg. Ryan Sieg, he's had uh, a success at Charlotte before. Um, they've had some 
interesting strategies to try to get them in track position. They seem to always come out and do well at the one and a half mile tracks. You know, why can't you go and put it together in a, in a one of the closest races they're going to have to their season for their season, um, trying to give themselves momentum to get get into the playoffs. So, so Keebler, Gibbs, win and um, Ryan C. Wildcard. So the last uh, race that we will discuss is the Coca-Cola 600, um, the longest race on the calendar. Um, you have three, you have four 100 lap stages. Uh, you have a halftime break for, for a moment of silence now. Uh, you have all kinds of stuff. We'll go into the entry list. Oh, that's a cool looking car that Sheldon Creek's going to be racing this weekend. Um, uh, and then uh, you want to go through the points. Let's bring the points up if I can find that. Yeah, so uh, Coca-Cola 600 uh, changes in terms of drivers this week. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, J.J. Ailey will be in the 15. Uh, Zane Smith in the 38. And Barry continues as in the 48 car, at least for this week. Todd Gilland will be in the 51. B.J. McLeod in the 78. And Jimmy Johnson will be back this weekend driving for his own team in uh, number 84 club Wyndham Chevrolet uh, with Todd Gordon as his crew chief. And just to get through the points over here in the cup series, I mean, everybody that's, I guess, 32, 31 drivers have uh, run every race this season. Uh, Top 16 as it stands, Chastain, Bell, Harvick, Hamlin, Byron, Truex, Laney, Reddick, Keselowski, Kyle Larson. Those are all the overall points. Um, Byron and Larson are the top two right now in terms of playoff standings. Kyle Busch is up there uh, as well. Logano, Busher, Oh, Richard, uh, Bubba Wallace, and Chase Briscoe round out your 16 uh, with Bowman, who still hasn't. We still don't know when he's going to come back. Um, you went first for Xfinity, so I'll go first for this one and um i'll just i'll just go with kyle larson i i feel like we're seeing a a replay of 2021 uh you talked about it earlier josh where you said they could have really broken off a lot of wins yep he almost won this race last year briscoe had a chance to pass him and wrecked himself um i mean uh larson has won this race before i figure he's gonna go and do it again that's my pick to win coca-cola 600 uh probably be passed out by the end so that'll be great um because it'll be a long day you know uh, being a part of the uh, you know vfw deal there and uh, the in the picnic and all that larson to win and then my wild card choice which is basically anybody outside of the cutoff it's it, it's really hard because there's really not a lot of great um great driving that's going on amongst this group uh i really don't i really don't know i mean it's crazy um i'm gonna have to go with keebler um they have the one and a half mile package really set up well he's been i mentioned it in the xfinity he's been really good at this racetrack so rookies have won this race before matt kenseth in the year 2000 um it's been a race where people have won the first career race one jeff gordon did that in 1994 bobby labani in 95 both hall of famers um matt kenseth as i mentioned trying to think uh Casey Mears in 2007, David Rudiman in 2009 after Tony got into it with him and Billy Badbot 
Um, might be forgetting another one, but those are some of the ones that have won the first career race at the Coca Cola 600. Um, so it is possible. Um, wouldn't be out of the realm uh, uh, as all card. I mean, I I do think that Bubba Wallace right now and the 2311 team they have a lot of momentum going on in their favor, and they seem to be faster than the Gibbs guys um at times which is interesting and i think it might be an opportunity for one of those guys to look at them as a possibility uh for the 600 especially if the high line does come in because reddick loves the high line um, josh uh what do you think for picks for the coca-cola 600 yeah uh i mean i think this is gonna be an interesting race here 400 miles um or 400 laps 600 miles um of course you have the extra stage too so that's gonna you know going to be interesting um and we'll see how it all plays out uh here um but i'm i'm gonna go with uh yeah i'm actually gonna go yeah with tyler reddick winning the 600 i think you know they've had uh, a lot of speed uh on you know the mile and a halfs and i think you know the long long distance i think plays into his his favor and especially you know with the strategy and everything i think the high line came into came into play at the very end of this race um and i think tyler reddick will you know definitely uh be up there for the win um and being contention for it uh wild card uh i'm gonna go with uh cory lajoy uh i think Corey's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a mile and a half, but it's also a long race and a lot of strategy can come into play, uh, here, uh, especially even, even though there are stages in this one. So I definitely think, uh, Corey LaJoy, um, you know, can be a surprise here and get a, uh, you know, good finish, uh, in that car, um, and, you know, prove that, you know, Spire can compete on a mile and a half track, uh, you know, especially, uh, longest race in the season and would you know, definitely help them in terms of sponsorship and whatnot and you know i'm actually going to give a super wild card pick here and i'm going to go with none other than that jim johnson guy from el cajon california so i'm gonna go uh his third race of the year in the 84 car and former winner of course in the coca-cola 600 many times so let's see i want to see what he can do on a you know real a uh, real racetrack here now he's um been you know taking out course in the uh daytona 500 you know wrecked out uh before the end then got taken out pretty early on in coda uh let's see if he can come here to charlotte and make something out of it so let's see <laughs> see what he can do uh his third year or third race of the year and course running in and uh, legacy motor club car which has not been that great but let's see what the legend himself uh, can do behind the wheel of one of these cars yeah the super wild card pick one jim johnson uh i'm curious to see what they bring to the table with three cars this weekend uh josh brought it up with how he basically was wrecked on the first lap at coda didn't really race uh, you have this 500 became a cluster by the end of it. So, of course, he was going to involve in a wreck. Um, let's see what he can uh, multi. I don't know how many times he's won the 600, but he's won it a lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can get a top 20 finish out of this deal. It'll be better than what his regular drivers have been doing on, on a regular basis. So if they could pull a top 20 or 25, stay on the lead lap 
It'll be a, a good day, I would think, for the 84 team at Charlotte. Okay, so the last thing we are going to go over is, of course, the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. We went through the qualifying, we talked about practice speeds, but now is the time to make our picks. And so I guess since um, Josh, you went with a super wild card pick, um, and since it's the greatest day in motorsports, the triple header, I'm going to say we can go pick a winner, a wild card or we can pick two winners, whatever, and you can have a dark horse or wild card pick uh, as well, and it's open to the entire field, really. Um, I would say, though, that if, I mean, I can't, I mean, you could, there's good cars that are in the back of the field, towards the back of the field. There's cars that haven't been up there all year. So I feel like we can make three choices. I feel like two cars that we think could win and a car that could be a surprise. So, Josh, you can uh, start us off with the Indianapolis 500 picks. Right. Uh you know, I'm, I've already given like one of my picks here and I gave it earlier in the show and I'll, you know, restate that one. Um, my, well, my B pick, I'll give you my B pick first because we already said it, but, um, I think, um, I think that Santino Ferrici has a really good shot to win this race. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with him as my B winner. And, uh, I guess my, uh, A pick winner here, um, I, I will go with, um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with just go chalk here. Go with uh, Alex Pelot, um sweeping the month of May, winning the GMR Grand Prix, qualifying pole day, uh, and then going out here and winning the uh, Indianapolis 500 from the pole. So that's uh, who I'll go with as my uh, pick there. Um, then my wild card pick. Uh, it's gonna be interesting, but. Uh, I I will go with Connor Daly, the uh, Indianapolis native. Of course, uh, didn't have the speed to break into the top twelve. Got really close, but wasn't able to do it. Uh, I go with him. Led a couple of years ago, back in twenty twenty one. Crowd was on their feet. Uh, if he wins, it'll be a big party. I don't think Connor Daly would be able to drive at Detroit the next week if he won the <laughs> Indianapolis 500 because it would be so hungover. Um, but that would be one of the greatest things that has happened at the Speedway in a long time. Uh, that was That's a really good pick because ECR makes puts a lot of their energy in this race for many obvious reasons. Um, Connor, with all the connections he has to this track, uh, it, it it's all it all kind of falls together uh, that it's uh it'll be something to see he's been fast there in recent years too so um i think it would be awesome uh always root for connor daly um in general i made this pick on the aaron harper ahgp podcast um earlier in the day uh go and tune into that wherever you get podcasts the ahgp podcast we previewed the indianapolis 500 there I said Pato Award was my A pick to win the Indianapolis 500. He finished second in this race last year. Um, he's due to win a big one. He's essentially the most popular driver in the series. He has a whole country behind him. And um, he wins Indianapolis. I mean, don't you don't look now. It could become pretty ugly for the rest of the field. That's how good he is. Um, my B pick, not really a B pick uh, because of how great he is. My pick's Scott Dixon. I mean, when you, the guy is one, basically there's only one, 
one guy that's won more races than you. Uh, he's been chasing that second win for years. In 2020, he lost it late to Sato. Last year, he sped on pit road when he had the race won. I think 21 or not, whatever, one of them years, he went and flipped over uh, what's-his-face's car. Uh, I forget what the hell that guy's name was. Tony Stewart was involved with that team. And um, guy washed up out of the groove, came back into the groove. And Scott Dixon flew over the back end of it, flipped over. Uh, driving a camping world car. I think it might have been 17. Feels like 17 when he qualified on pole. When then all the Hondas started blowing up with Fred Alonso and stuff. Shikuma Sato won. But Scott Dixon, essentially, this is the last thing he needs. I think he wants a seven championship for sure. Ganassi's never going to tell him to quit, but he gets a second Indy 500. I mean, what is what does it matter at that point? You know, for for Dixon to hold on. Um, I think uh, that's what it would be uh, the pick right there for me. So Patricio Award, uh, A, Scott Dixon, B, and then the wild card. That's a, you picked a good one. Uh, you see, I, it's, that's kind of a reach. Um, you know what? I'll do it. it I'm, I'm kicking in personal bias twice. Captain America. Um, I'm going to pick Ryan Honore in the bl- the stealth black number 23 uh, car for Dryan Reinbold, which will now probably have all the sponsorship or some of the sponsors that were on the 24 uh, on their car now, uh, Captain America, because he's former winner. Dryan Reinbold does a great job at Indianapolis to only show up once a year, et cetera, et cetera. I think um, he wants to show that he belongs back out on the grid or should be wor- working full-time somewhere, um, whether it's any cars or sports cars. Those are our picks. Um, I guess in terms of the rookie of the year, there's four rookies in this race, Peterson, Canapino, Enerson, and Stingray Rob. If it was based on like track position to start the race, Peterson would be the odds-on favorite. I think Augustin Canapino will get the best finish out of all the rookies and win rookie of the race, basically driving an Argentina Argentinian flag uh, around the speedway. Uh, so Augustin Canapino is my pick for rookie of the race. Um, uh, Josh, do you concur or do you, are you going to go, since you already picked a root beer float head, maybe you double down with Benjamin Peterson. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting pick there going if I went with Peterson, um, but well, yeah, it it would be an interesting pick there, because uh, we you know still have you know bunch of rookies in this field, um, and I mean we could talk about them. I mean I think it's going to be hard for somebody like Stingray Rob uh, to you know be rookie of the year. They just didn't really show a, a ton of speed. You know, R.C. Anderson is also kind of you know somebody who doesn't really have a whole lot of speed either. So yeah, I think I'll you know, I'll go with Ben Peterson there because I mean they've again they've just shown a lot of pace throughout um the month of May and I think think they have a a good uh you know plan to be up front uh there and I think you know you know when you start up front you have a good chance of being um you know in contention but also just in general you know having a, a better chance to uh, have a good finish, but I mean, for some of the guys in the back, like you said, with uh, Augustin Canapino, of course, he comes up and you know makes it up and becomes the best uh, finishing rookie or the best performing rookie. Then that'd be really impressive, considering you know how far back they they are in the field. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, Ben Peterson there. So Josh is uh, doubling down with AJ Foyt. Uh, must be 1965 again, uh, because AJ Foyt has people looking at his team like 
they're legit and the speed shows they are uh, at least for one lap pace and four lap pace. Uh, Benjamin Peterson's never run 500 miles. He really has basically been the worst driver on the grid. So it's hard to fathom uh, him pulling it out of his ass. But, you know, stranger things have happened at Indianapolis. Um, Augustin Canapino never ran on an oval uh, prior to this year. Couldn't speak English. Basically learned English, has run on ovals, likes ovals. Uh, the Junkos team, they just need to get through a carb day clean. And um, I think they'll be an interesting team to watch at uh, uh, at Indianapolis this coming weekend. So yeah, let's uh, go to the sim segment. Josh, let us know what's going on in the world of iRacing and some of the exploits you had this past weekend. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Talked about North Wilkesboro at the top of the show, and you know that's what I basically did this weekend on iRacing. racing. Um, yeah, I never ran this track before, uh, and ran it with uh, the NASCAR Truck Series that was on, you know, following the real schedule. Uh, so, you know, I'm been trying to get back into uh, short track racing, I guess. But yeah, the, it's um, one of the reasons why I never really do it is because there's just so many yellows, and you just constantly get caught up and other people's mess and stuff, and, um, you know, that happened a lot, uh, running North Wilkesboro this, you know, past weekend, ran like three race, four races, so, um, each one of them I got hit, uh, a couple of times, and, um, you know, they're, none of them were like where they just flat out ran me over or anything like that, or anything, but it was always like somebody getting loose and hooking me, uh, from the inside or somebody getting loose on the outside and I'm in the inside and then they come down into me and clean me out. So, um, yeah, that was definitely the experience there. There was one where somebody just like got loose on the front stretch. I passed them going into turn one and then they kind of just kept a straight line and then got me in the left side and spun me out and everything. So, yeah, it was part of it, but you know, it was interesting. The first, the first one that I did uh, this past weekend uh, actually was running. I think, um, yeah, Shane Huffman was in that one. Uh, who he's a short track driver, but most famously known as um, one of the original drivers of the number eighty eight car back in two thousand six and two thousand seven. I think was in that ride before Brad Keselowski took over. Um, and you know, he was talking about uh, the surface there and he was giving his insight and he said that they probably should have uh repaved it before uh going uh you know with uh, the cup series and with uh, everybody else so um interesting perspective you know with the you know someone who's uh does short track racing quite regularly uh racing uh on i racing there um uh most of them yeah finished in top 10 a uh, couple of them uh actually maxed out my incident points on iRacing and I had to take a drive-through penalty uh which is the penalty once you get past 17x uh incidents uh so I had to do that but managed to stay on lead lap uh, and everything so was able to you know stay on lead lap and still get through uh and finish in top 10 but it's just a you know a lot of a lot of yellows and stuff uh the last one uh actually was in a I guess somebody from Stuart Friesen's pit crew or team was uh, racing, and so I got to race against somebody from that organization, so that was pretty interesting there. Um, but the last one, I think everybody was getting ready to uh, watch the All-Star race, so I think it was a little bit cleaner there, but still a couple times where I got uh, spun out there. So it is what it is, but you know, at the end of the day, it's short track racing. It's probably probably just why I don't do it a lot is because um, the just the 
ten, the propensity for you know somebody to um, and tendency to run somebody over or just get caught up in another deal and get run over from behind. That's why I don't do that often. I mean, I do do super speedway racing a lot with you know Daytona and Talladega, but I feel like you have you have room to be able to get around people at uh, the bigger tracks, but just the smaller tracks, you know, just constant, um, you know action and stuff that can happen where you're uh run over uh or, or something like that so i don't know it's just never really been my style i guess but um i tried when i tried to do north wilkesboro because it's a historic track of course and um i you know uh do do like watching the racing of that track so so um, wanting to wanting to try that and uh you know definitely had good pace throughout the races there that i did but you know, just um, and actually led led a little bit, staying out on pit stops, but uh, just uh, wasn't able really to uh, you know get up close to really be a good good threat uh, for the win. But you know, it was good good to be able to try it. So um, yeah, that's what I did on my racing this past week. Of course, no Indy 500, but they do have the Coke 600 on there, so that's on the table. If I you know decide to do it, I guess uh, it'd be interesting. Um, 400 laps and i don't think iRacing does stages so that should be a little bit of a different wrinkle there uh we'll see if uh i decide to do it probably have to do it on saturday or something uh, i don't even know what times uh are available uh on there so i have to look at that but uh definitely a possibility uh maybe saturday because definitely not doing it on sunday because that'll be when the real racing is and don't really want to be caught uh you know in the middle of Indy 500 and then be like, Oh, I need to go run Charlotte or something like that. Or during the middle of the Coca-Cola 600, uh, I want to be able to pay attention to that at least, uh, and watch all that stuff. Uh, so we'll see, but so probably, probably Saturday or something if I decided it and I'll definitely let y'all know. Um, of course there, uh, there was, a, I think there is another organization running their own Indy 500 for cash. So that's also a possibility as well. Uh, but it won't be broadcast, and I think you know there's still the rules about the stupid rules about how you can't stream the Indy 500 if you choose to race Indianapolis Motor Speedway privately, uh, for whatever reason. That's kind of stupid in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if I do that one. Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, not sure what my weekend plans are because I know it's obviously Memorial Day weekend and everything. Maybe want to get together with some friends or something like that. So that's also a possibility as well uh there so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens but um i'll definitely uh try to stream something again this weekend of course can go look at the past streams that i did this weekend with north wilkesboro and any other things of course see last year's any 500 win uh on there of course um twitch tv slash you sailor 2 go on there watch all my videos on there when i do decide to stream and we'll definitely uh you know have something on there for people to watch and you know people to see how my driving style is definitely try to be calculated and uh you know cool and everything uh you know definitely get aggressive sometimes when i need to um but you know i definitely try to preserve myself uh, for the end to give myself a chance to you know be able to go out there and win so uh that's that's definitely uh my approach there but you know of course it's uh kind of interesting you know with the short track racing there you know uh looks Looks a lot like uh, Florida drivers, I guess, or maybe Florida drivers imitating iRacing people. I don't know. You pick uh, your poison there, but uh, that's how it is sometimes. But uh, not not on other tracks, but just on short tracks and other places as well. So, yeah, 
go in there and watch my streams, Twitch TV slash user too, and then uh, Twitter, JP Huffine, and um, that's you know, where I have all my opinions and everything. And, of course, um, post the streams links there and, of course, links to the show there as well. And, of course, our YouTube page, uh, Group Street Podcast, and, you know, you can see our stuff there. We got all our videos uploaded and everything. So go up there and watch watch our videos or listen and with the video in the background. Go in there, subscribe to our page, like our videos, comment, engage uh, with the platform. So uh, that's where we have our stuff there on uh, Group Street Podcast on YouTube. So, yeah, of course... Uh, as always, you know, glad to be able to deal with you, Phil. Uh, glad to be able to talk about the greatest day in racing coming up this weekend. And, of course, uh, being able to wake up, have a cup of coffee in Monaco, have lunch in Indianapolis, and then go have some dinner in, in Charlotte. Yeah, that um, would be really interesting if somebody's able to do it. And we'd have to have uh, huge advances in technology to be literally able to do that. So I don't know if that will ever happen, but it would be funny. So, uh, of course... We'll hopefully have a good good set of races this weekend. That's the hope. I mean, I hope that it is for Indy for sure, and that weather holds off uh, for both Indy and Charlotte. Um, but yeah, thanks as always, Josh, for being my sidekick, my friend, my right hand man here on this show. Um, follow his uh, Twitch streams and his racing because he's really really good at it and very methodical about it, very calculating. So he tries to drive it the smart way. You know, unfortunately, a lot of these people on iRacing Drive like Annabeth Barnes Crum and her stupid husband, Jake, um, is probably their white trash. Um, but either way, are just, just idiots. But you can't fix stupid. Ron White once famously said that. Uh, for me, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Find me, Philip G. Matthew 28 on Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter as well. Find the Gripstrip Podcast uh, on Podbean. That's our, our home uh, home site, whatever, or home base uh, or hosting site. There you go. And then philipgmatthew.com. You can find the show. Basically, anywhere you can get a podcast, you can find the Gripstrip Podcast. I'll be hopefully getting these episodes out nice and quick because uh, I'm going to have some downtime because I'm going to be home uh, this week more than I have been in a while uh, for that. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. We'll be back next week for episode 171 um, for the recap of the greatest day in motorsports and anything else that goes on in the world of motorsports and sports. We'll talk about it here on the Gripstrip podcast. So take care. Uh, thanks to the uh, men and women, uh, you know, who made that ultimate sacrifice for us uh, to give us our freedoms and also to those who do serve um, in, in all the in the branches of the armed forces and in um, in first responders and, uh, and all to go and keep us safe. Uh, so for that, uh, take care, God bless, and goodbye.